welcome back to Educate Ebony, the prog edition. Hope you're doing well. Hope you loved last week's episode. I spoke to Michael Tronson from Voice Among the Many. They actually have just dropped their new album, White Palace. So definitely go check that out. But Michael told me to listen to Define the Great Line by Under Oath. And I did. He said to make sure you're moving, go to the gym. So, oh my gosh, I went to the gym, killed myself and then had to go to the gym again so I could actually focus on the album when I wasn't doing such a strenuous set. And then I listened to it again in the car. I don't know, I think I find it hard to concentrate sometimes on music at the gym. And I think in the car was when I really, really, really tuned in. Okay, so super interesting album. I think the song that initially caught my attention was, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it was Salmania. And I think it was just because there's some spoken word in there and they speak in a different language. I'm not entirely sure what it was, but that was really interesting to listen to. But the song that is probably my favorite is Casting Such a Thin Shadow. It was really, really beautiful. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I think having no vocal, or actually it does have vocals in it, but I guess towards the end, but I really just like the instrumentals. And then I feel like the rest of the album after that point was really, really strong. Like Moving for the Sake of Motion, like Michael said, great track. Writing on the Walls, what a classic. I think it was like a really strong second half. But yeah, I don't think, in my brain, I don't think I would have classified this as a prog album as well. But then listening to what Michael had to say about it, I get why it is. So, really cool album. Thanks, Michael. Go check out Voice Among the Many. And just before we get to this episode, pause it. Just pause it real, real quick. Head to your favorite social media site, type in at Educate Ebony, and get involved. If you listen to the albums, I'd love to hear from you. If you just want to be a silent contributor, you're welcome to press the like button. That's totally fine as well. I'll allow it. All right, you can unpause it, pick it up right here. Let's get to it. All right, cool. For this episode of Educate Ebony, the prog edition, I'd love to introduce the one and only Pliny. I don't really think he needs too much of an introduction, but, you know, a bit of a household name in the prog scene. But if you are unaware, he is an Australian progressive guitarist and songwriter who creates incredible soundscapes. And I'm very, very, very lucky to have him on the podcast. So, Pliny, welcome. Thank you. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> I feel like you could have recorded that in post so I didn't have to listen to it. No, I make all my <laughs> guests listen to that sort of stuff. Usually I can dredge oh, up something from the Instagram and, like, throw it in there and be like, Pineapple on pizza. Wow. I can't believe you do that, but no, <laughs> pretty just above board. Nothing, nothing sus that I can make fun of. So you're all good. Thank you. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Yeah. And you've actually had a really exciting year. That's why it's taken us six months to really lock you down. Played a lot of festivals and shows, like just living the jet setting lifestyle again. How is it? Yeah. It's been really fun being back doing stuff. Like we played Unify at the beginning of the year. I uh, did an album tour that's been postponed. I think we postponed it every six months for two years, basically. Like, just kept being like, oh, it'll be fine in November. It'll be fine in January. It'll be fine in May. No. Um, but, yeah, eventually got to do it, and it was really fun. And then did a tour with North Lane, which was really fun. And now we're kind of in the middle of the Monolith Festival with my heart throbbed carnival. So, it's <laughs> yeah, been great. Are you tight with Ian Kenny? I have progressively gotten more and more tight by forcing myself on him at every opportunity that I get. I love that. I met him a couple of years ago at a carnival gig and he knew of my music, I think. And I was just blown away. Fanning yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, just uncontrollably fanning myself. <laughs> um, and then these monolith gigs have been really fun because usually there's a bit of a party afterwards. Mm. So pretty much I'll find him and just put my arm around him and yell at him about how much I love him <laughs> until for some reason he has to leave. I wish I were you. That's the dream, you know, up close and personal. Be Ian Kenny's fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that up close. Oh, that's so cool. But like I, I mean, probably by the time this comes out, you will have played it, but you're going to Europe for a festival as well? Yeah, so after the last monolith gig in Perth, a few days later we go to India for three shows and then to Germany for a festival and then Scandinavia for about a week of gigs. What it's, a tough life. Yeah, your face your <laughs> face perfectly describes the idea of a tour where you go to India and Scandinavia so from cool. Australia. Oh, my gosh. Are any of these, like, major highlights for you? Uh, it's kind of all major highlights. There have been very few gigs that I've ever done that didn't feel special because I'm just like, oh, am I allowed to swear? I'm yeah, like, 100%. Holy cow. <laughs> no, Holy go for cow. It. <laughs> um, like, just the fact that I get to play some stupid music I wrote in my bedroom in a place that's not my bedroom is like unbelievable. Um, but India should be really fun that we've been twice and it was amazing. Like crowds are insane, like sing all of the guitar parts. It's really cool. And Scandinavia, a bunch of places we haven't played before. And the last time that we played in a couple of them, we had technical difficulties and we were the opener. So we played about 15 minutes. That'll be fun to do like a full show. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I do remember seeing you for the first time. I had to like research it to be like, well, I know we played with this band and this band. So like, what year was that? And it was 2018 for your EP Sunhead back in the day. And I remember like after your set, I believe you pulled up like Javier Reyes and or from Animals as Leaders and then David Maxim Mitchich, if I'm saying that right. And you guys yeah. just jammed. Yeah, perfect. And I was like, I yeah. just remember thinking that I'd never seen anyone do that in a live setting. Just be like, oh, come up. We'll just like have some fun, just like off the cuff. And it sounded amazing. So what I'm getting at is like, how did you get into prog and like being able to do that sort of stuff? I started off listening to like classic rock and punk, like or punk, like pop punk, like Blink-182 and Green Day, and then like Led Zeppelin and Guns and Roses and that sort of thing. And then I started playing guitar and then I started, I guess, looking into guitar magazines and metal magazines. And then I found like all the 80s guitar heroes like Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and everything. Uh, and then I also found all the metal bands that had sick guitarists like Trivium and Lamb mm. of God and Mastodon and all that sort of thing. Um, and I guess that just led me into... Like, I guess there's a guitar scene and then there's a metal scene and then kind of somewhere in between there's like a prog scene yeah. uh, where all the nerds congregate. And I was right in the middle of that. Cool. And here we are today. What a great yeah. time. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's cut straight to the, the good stuff. What is the one prog album that I need to hear? You need to hear an album called Death of a Dead Day by a band called Sixth. Um, have you oh, ever heard of them? Never. Who are these guys? They're a British, uh, I guess, a prog metal band, but it's pretty hard to describe them, I think. I just looked it up and that album was released on the 6th of June 2006. So it was 666. Of course it was. Which is, <laughs> fuck yeah. Um, so metal. Yeah, they're from somewhere in the UK, probably around London or something like that. Um, I think they started in maybe the late 90s. 
and put out a couple of albums and then had a big hiatus and then came back. And I think they did two EPs or an EP and an album um, in the last few years. And now I'm not sure if they're still active or they've kind of on hiatus again. Right. Uh, but I remember when I was getting into stuff like periphery and animals as leaders, and I was like scouring the internet for interviews with people in those bands to see what influenced them. Um, I came across sixth and I reckon it would have been like 2009 or something like that. And I listened to this album and I was like, this is the fucking craziest thing I've ever heard. And I could also hear like where their influence had ended up in all these other bands that I was listening to. Um, and then I looked into it more and I, they had broken up like a few months before I discovered them. No. <laughs> so I was just like sick. I'll never see them <laughs> <Yeah>. live now. <laughs> yeah. But then they actually, when they got back together, they did a bunch of festivals and we did a festival with them or it might've been a day off, but we ended up being able to see them. And that was like, awesome. Cool. Like very, very awesome. Said hi, or you're just a, a fan being like, this is amazing. I ended up knowing one of the guitarists through a band that he started afterwards called Aliases, just as a internet acquaintance. So I get to meet a couple of them. Yeah, I think, I mean, you'll listen to the album. It's like, it's insane. I would put them in the same realm as Carnival and Mushuga for just like untouchably perfect bands. Wow. Okay. Are there vocals in this? Two vocalists. Oh, cool. Uh, one is more of a like conventional-ish metalcore type singer, like he sings and screams. And the other one is like a very eccentric kind of Mike Patton-y corny but he also sings and he does one track on that album as a spoken word poem oh wow there's just like yeah this band really just has like everything possible and it's all happening at once that's interesting interesting that they both obviously two vocals two vocalists you know it's nothing overly new but having them both sing as well that's really awesome like not that it's a duet but i like that kind of stuff like bring it back need more of that harmonies yeah, there's heaps of like they're both like one word each kind of thing, like really oh. fast, um, almost I guess new metally like rap screaming, and it's yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know a lot of uh, prog bands and prog artists as well. So why did you choose this album in particular? Because uh, I thought it's something that maybe a lot of people haven't heard, um, because I guess they're not really a big band. I feel like they have a cult following, but especially because they haven't been that active recently, people that are coming into this sort of music now might not come across them. But yeah, this album in particular is like, if you want to write riffs or you want to write cool drum parts or bass parts or vocals or lyrics. I mean, I'm not much of a lyric person as you might guess from my music, (laughs) but even the lyrics are like, I assume quite deep and like, thoughtful they're not just like randomly googling metaphors about violence and then yelling (laughs) they're like quite well thought out poetic lyrics as well so it's just like yeah pretty much everything you can put into music they do that sounds from their point of view like that's exhausting surely i mean really really cool product must be a really awesome process but that sort of stuff just doesn't happen overnight for sure like no wonder they had to break up if it's so so good like i just need some time (laughs) and then we'll come back together so how did you first hear it through those bands and through the interviews and stuff did you have to hunt it down i'm assuming i pirated it 
I'm pretty sure I ended up buying the CD because I went through a phase of, um, I don't know if you, did you ever come across a website called cdwow.com.au? No. I think it became like CD Red. I don't know if that's a game company. I'm not sure. But it was like like a grey import. Like it's not illegal, but I think they had a warehouse in China or something. So you could buy all these kind of obscure CDs for like 10 bucks. It was like cheaper and better than JB Hi-Fi. Oh, big call, yeah. Yeah, I had this phase of just like all the albums that I stole when I was younger. I just bought them all. And then Spotify probably came out like five minutes later and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I have a pile of plastic now. <laughs> you know, they'll come back around. Vinyls are back in. CDs will rotate back in with the Gen Xs being like, look at this cool vintage thing. So, Do you think they will? Surely. They think low-rise jeans are back in fashion. I don't know if you know that, but that's pretty gross. <laughs> so... CDs are next Yeah, I would say that So it might become a collector's um, thing That's true and I guess it will be rare maybe Because I only made many thousands of them Yeah Oh, that's interesting I I always feel like bands that have like a cult following And that are maybe not as large or didn't quite make it I'm doing air quotation marks But you can't, no one can see that But you can it's just it. a yeah. <laughs> it's just a bit more special, almost. Like they feel like, oh, they're yours, and like you discovered them, and you know, no one else knows yeah. about this. It's a bit more of a secret, and I don't know why, but that makes music a bit better. If you agree, or if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, we're probably used to this because of the music we listen to. Like pretty much all the stuff we listen to isn't mainstream, mm. so they're bands that we've like followed for a while and seen them get bigger but not that big so it feels a bit personal yeah i guess yeah we could spend the whole podcast talking about carnival unrelated <laughs> to everything it's like it's so sick seeing them play a festival that they're headlining to like five thousand people as a an aussie band that's put out like three albums in 500 years and barely does anything oh, I know. So. <laughs> talk about a cult following for sure yeah like it's insane well you discover this album you're like, great, I love this stuff. Let's make some cool music. Uh, when do you realize like how important it is to you? Is it like after you've made, you've put out a couple of EPs and your album, and you're like, oh, actually, yeah, that was right there the entire time or it was always there from the beginning? I think it's more of a uh, like an overarching creative lesson of like do whatever the fuck you want and it's cool. Nice. Um, but that's like... I think it's just continues to settle in more and more. Like I was listening to the album again today so I could remember like some specific parts if you wanted to talk about them or anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it still sounds more ridiculous and more creative than most of the bands that they've influenced and like most of the stuff that's coming out now. Like even though people seem to be getting better and better at instruments and more ridiculous with production and everything, like this album from... 2006 it's still like full of shit that I don't know how you think of it <laughs> yeah what parts make you think that specifically go deep let's go let's go deep <sighs> all of it tear it apart um in a good way there's a song called summer rain that starts with like I think they're slapping the guitar so when I was first listening to this I was like trying to learn parts of it but I'm pretty bad at learning other songs and most of the tabs that I could find were probably wrong and like they play in a weird tuning, they play very unconventionally, like how they play their instruments. So this part, like I'm pretty sure they're slapping the guitar 
and playing like these weird high-pitched harmonics and it sounds really like rough and nasty but it's also extremely accurate and hard to play mm. and yeah and there's a lot of parts like that there's like these crazy tapping licks I think in the same song and also in the chorus of the first song that it's just it's like really hard to play but the album kind of just sounds like it was recorded in like a garage studio and they just kind of like played through the songs it's not like heavily edited or anything right that's very it is very old school I guess but yeah I think you know obviously when bands like rehearse in a studio and they take do multiple takes and stuff you do get a more perfected version so if that's just like let's just do it once and if it's good it's good you know you're never going to get that again which is kind of cool yeah yeah they sound like a band that's just obnoxiously good uh without any tricks whereas when I make music it's like all tricks I'm like (laughs) trying to play it to the absolute like edge of my ability and then heavily edit it so it's good. <laughs> we like it. We're pretty happy with that, you know? Yeah. Well, I think uh, something I've noticed throughout the previous episodes as well is they always say, or the guest always says something about the transitions and like from song to song and how it's very intentional as well. Does this album feel like that too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this actually when I was listening to it. It's, I think it's 12 tracks. The first four are all just totally fucked in their own way. Um, and actually none of the 12 tracks are kind of similar. You know how like with some, I guess it's more in some genres than other, but there'd be like a few songs on an album that could be sort of the same song, just with a different chorus, oh, um, yeah. vocal or whatever. But I think all 12 songs are like significantly different from each other. And so, yeah, so the first four songs are totally insane. And then the fifth one is kind of like more of a metalcore ballad. So you think like maybe they've run out of energy and then it kind of stays chill for a song and then there's a spoken word poem thing. And then it just like goes back up for the last few songs. And then the last two especially are like totally chaotic And the last song ends with a fade out. And I typically don't like fade outs um, because I feel like you should just write the end of the song. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. It could be hard though. (laughs) But imagine like you're having a conversation and you just start walking away slowly (laughs) instead of having a point. Yeah. Um, But this one, there's like this one riff that's just repeating over and over again. And I feel like it's almost like they wouldn't have stopped if like the engineer didn't fade them out. Like they just keep going for, that's how I feel. I don't know if that's the intention, Um, but it's like one of the few fade outs where I'm like, that's sick. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Actually reminds me of, um, do you know, every time I die, the band? Yes. There's a video. I think it might've been their last gig or something or, Okay. Something at, or it might have been the last Warped Tour. It was the last something. And they finished their set, and the guitarist just keeps playing the riff over and over again. And they've like stopped packing up the drums and like loading the band off stage. And he's just still playing the riff, like standing on a PA or something. Oh, wow. And I think it goes for like 15 minutes or something. And they turn off front of house, but he still has an amp on. So I think. He's just, yeah, he's just going until he's like physically removed from the stage. That's so interesting. I don't understand the mentality behind it. If you look up every time I die, 
riff forever or something. <laughs> You'll probably find it. Yeah. As a fan, like for a fan in the crowd, their perspective, they would have been like, this is so cool. But everyone else, they'd yeah. just be like, you need to finish it now. You did good. <laughs> Get a drink of water. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's so interesting and weird. Yeah. But I think that like, um, I don't know what the word is. It just, it seems cool to me. Like it's a very, I don't give a fuck attitude, but mm. in a type of music that's, you have to give a fuck to be able to play it and write it. So I think having like those two attitudes in the one yes. performance is like admirable. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking like if you had that attitude when you were on stage, I don't think it would work. Cause like you are, you, I mean, you have to be focused and also look at the crowd and everything else, but like, yeah, that wouldn't work for many prog artists at all. No. But I guess that's maybe the point of the jam thing that we do. Yes. Is to kind of take things self-indulgently too far, just briefly. Yeah. Do you still do fun. that? Uh, it depends on the tour. Um, but, yeah, if we're headlining, we do. Oh. Yeah. It was fun doing it on the North Lane tour because we're like a – nerd instrumental band sandwiched between all these like epic amazing songwriting bands and then so we finished the set with like five minutes of just 80s shred and it's kind of funny that this was organized like that's... someone asked us to be here yeah that's so cool i think that a lot of people forget that artists on stage are also nerds about their instruments so it's like it's cool just to be able to show off what you can do because you know something that's not rehearsed is always not always, but it is really impressive yeah. and really, really cool to see. So definitely not always, but sometimes it turns out well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Why? I mean, I sort of, I, I get it, but why do you think this album would stand up in future years? You know, when prog evolves again in the next decade or so, why should people keep coming back to this one? Um, I guess like the technical and creative aspects, like it's going to be hard for anyone to kind of like outdo them just because it's so unique. Yeah. Um, they just sound like themselves. Um, but I guess the songs are also really well written, uh, like the same way that we still listen to a bunch of stuff from the 60s and 70s and 80s because the songs are catchy. There's a bunch of like really catchy melodies and riffs um, as well. And, yeah, I think they just did something really unique that you can't necessarily just listen to another newer band to get. Yeah. Well, uh, what are my listening notes? Or how should I listen to this album? It sounds very intricate. How should I approach it? Just, um, I guess when you have – I don't know how your attention span is generally, but, like, sometimes I find it difficult to listen to a whole album. But when you're feeling up for – it's probably like an hour or something – yeah, just go for it. Go for it. Dig in. I will. I think my attention span has gotten better. <laughs> uh, take that back partially, but, you know, I'm working on it, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Anything else to add that you want us to know about this album or anything we should watch out for when we listen or a certain song or something? Uh, I guess if you want to enter at the shallow end, there's a song called Where Do We Fall? Um, that's probably the most polite of the songs it's like a bit of a ballad but still awesome like I feel like the main riff of that song is like the inspiration for all melodic metalcore riffs 
since. What song was that again? Where Do We Fall, I think it's called. Fall, the main source of inspiration. Like the third last. Awesome. I don't know if it actually has been, but I haven't heard anything before it that sounds like it, but it's like the type of riff that you can hear like Periphery do or Polaris do or that sort of thing if they're doing like a metalcore ballad. Oh, okay. I'm super interested. This is going to be great. So that's, yeah. Yeah, so if you want to like dip your toe in it, start there, but otherwise just start at the beginning and wear a seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> I definitely will. Oh, amazing. Well, there we have it. The one prog album that Polini thinks that you and I should listen to is Death of a Dead Day by Sixth. Polini, thank you so much for your wisdom. I can't wait to listen to it from your point of view. Yeah, I hope you like it. Let me know. So pretty much I'll find him and just put my arm around him and yell at him about how much I love him (laughs) until for some reason he has to leave.